This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Pele leaned in and said something to Freddie. Don't let them change you. Keep working on what makes you different and what makes you special. It was great advice, but it caused me some problems. But what could change Freddie do? Soccer is going to explode and it's going to be around this kid. We're the Beatles. Everywhere we went, it was the Freddie show. And with that came the expectation and with that came the pressure. New episodes of American Prodigy drop Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcasts. Welcome to this week's edition of the Better Rivals Podcast. My name is Oscar Aparicio, and this week it is a Womp Womp Wednesday. Unless Aaron Rodgers comes through that door to run the table, the season is basically cooked. And with me this week, to read us his first draft of Josh Allen's Hall of Fame speech, it's David Newman. Oh my fucking... Hall of Fame speech, come on. <laughs> One Bro, game. Take just take Look, the L. We're gonna get we're gonna get into a plan. I I have no problem. There's no L to take. <laughs> he had a good game. That's fine. I'm fine with that. I have no problem admitting that. I am a person who says what I see, and he was great. I'm not gonna come here and say that he was trash in this game. What do you expect? Come on, magnanimous David Newman over here. Is Josh Allen was good. He was throwing darts all over the field, in the pocket, out of the pocket, on the move. 375 yards, four touchdowns. I know this is the first time you've watched Josh Allen in your football watching career, but yep. explain to Correct. me why Josh Allen is the best quarterback that you've seen this season. <laughs> uh, well, I'm not going to explain that. Um, but I, I think, yeah, in, in this game, obviously uh, he played very well. I, I think the thing that kind of stood out to me, like um, with this game in particular was like just how good he was, uh, kind of on the move, right? And and a lot of the stuff that he did was um, once the play kind of like started to break down and he had to scramble or he got flushed out of the pocket early because of pressure or something like that. But he was just um, kind of consistently able to keep plays alive and to, you know, find open guys. And he was, you know, we're going to talk a lot about the coverage as well in the 49ers in, and he, he definitely benefited from uh, having plenty of wide open players to to be able to throw to in these situations, and so that always helps your your case there. But um, yeah, he made some some excellent downfield throws, and like the thing with Allen, right, is that um, that that physical talent has always been there. Like those are always kind of like areas where when he does make great plays, a lot of them come in those situations where he's uh, you know out of the pocket and on the move and he like throws a rope 40 yards downfield and um, you know it's a, a fantastic play and so uh, those things weren't necessarily all that surprising um, and the, the more surprising part right is that those weren't also counteracted 
with uh, as many like boneheaded plays, right? Where he is putting the ball in harm's way. He had a couple that were that were close, and uh, you know, one the Fred Warner reception that they got kind of bailed out on by a, a penalty from Rich Sherman. But um, yeah, overall, I mean, he was he was fantastic in this game. He looked controlled. He looked poised. He looked like he knew exactly where he was going to go with the ball. And even when things broke down, I mean, he was throwing darts out there to wide receivers on the move. It, it was, you know, the, the Niners definitely got a view of what a good quarterback can be. And and I think for me, the the whole Josh Allen thing, because I didn't think he was very good coming out of college either. And I, the, the play that's always just etched into my brain when I think about Josh Allen is him trying to lateral in a playoff game and failing miserably. Like that, that to me typified Allen where he's like, he has the physical tools to get on the run and scramble and make a positive play for the offense. And then just inexplicably throws the ball backwards for no reason. Um, that, that to me typified Josh Allen. And I think oftentimes when, you know, evaluators, I think really good evaluators don't do this, but a lot of times when, you know, we interact with people on Twitter or whatever, the, the, the evaluations, at least that I have sometimes feel like they're etched in stone. And I feel like Josh Allen's a good reminder that like sometimes those evals change because the players change. Doesn't happen often, doesn't happen in every case. And who knows whether or not Allen's gonna gonna be able to sustain this moving forward. He could just have a really good year and then be like Wentz yeah. and come back down to boneheaded earth and not be a good quarterback. But at least right now, Josh Allen is playing out of his fucking mind. Yeah, and I think that like Look, I'm not about to like go on another crusade against uh, Josh Allen here, but I think that point is something that we continually bring up um, with with kind of all aspects, right? It's not a Josh Allen thing, but it's it's like one game, one season even doesn't make a player, right? Like you, you have to look at the whole body of evidence and any player like at, at this level is capable of putting together a good season. Um, and, and so I think, yeah, the 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 key part of that, right. In terms of like his long-term prospects and, and whether he becomes this guy, uh, you know, for on a consistent basis, like your favorite player, as you can say it, your favorite player, come on, come on, <laughs> um, is, is more just, yeah. Whether, whether he can continue to do this consistently. Right. So it, it's, if he has a, a body of work prior to this season, that was largely very bad um and and had a lot of problems with accuracy and all these things and and so this season is good and that doesn't immediately erase right everything that he did before then um but it is yeah it's something to continue to kind of watch right it's part of the evaluation and next season we'll kind of get an idea of where he lands in that yeah it's, it's basically the the prior indicates what your what you think the outcome curve may be in the future and the prior is that he had some very inaccurate balls uh and (laughs) And he, you know, had some some consistency issues. He was kind of all over the place, you know. And so you might think that this is an aberration. If he continues to put these games and these seasons together, eventually his first two seasons get far enough away that you're like, yeah, those don't matter. Um, and so it, it yeah. is, I think, uh, at least in this one game, he was incredibly impressive, but he was assisted by a 49ers coverage unit that was just an absolute mess. And it was a little bit of everything for the 49ers. It was... Good players not holding up against elite route runners. It was new players not doing things right. It was old players just flat out being old and looking like they have 0.75 Achilles tendons. So let's talk about each one of those things because we've got a, a few examples for each one of those things happening that over the course of a game ends up with, and you know, at a good game from a quarterback, ends up with Josh Allen having 375 yards and four touchdowns and what felt like a blowout pretty early because the Niners couldn't stop 
the, the, the Bills from doing much of anything. And we'll start with Jason Verrett because he had some positive snaps and he had a pass breakup in the end zone, but he still had a couple snaps where uh, he got smoked by a very, very good route runner. Yeah, I, I mean, I think this is is largely a product of of matchup for him, right? I mean, even the the pass defense that he had in the end zone was against uh, Gabriel Davis, right? It wasn't against Diggs, and and I, I think like he was the guy that um, was very often matched up with Diggs because, as we'll get to, like Sherman um, just had zero hope of of uh, doing anything in that sort of matchup. So I think Verrett is the guy, yeah, that ended up in there. He was in man coverage specifically on. Um, on digs quite a bit. And I think, yeah, just it's a tough matchup, right? Like even for good cornerbacks, like they're going to have some trouble when you go up against a receiver like that, that's, that's so shifty and so good at getting open. Um, and I think, yeah, he just kind of, uh, caught, caught a bad matchup and didn't really, you know, wasn't up to the task necessarily. I mean, Stefan Diggs, there's a reason that he is, I think among the top three in, in terms of yards in the NFL and, and the way that he does it, is he does it with just his complete ability to separate at different parts of his route stem. I mean, he is, when you think of route running and, and teach tape for route running, Diggs d- has a lot of it. And, and he put a lot of that on display. I mean, th- there was one play where he was matched up one-on-one against uh, Verrett, and he just, he puts him in a blender. Absolutely puts him in a blender where he cuts in, he gets Verrett to come in, and then he stems back out, and it's just easy money for Josh Allen, especially if Allen's not getting pressure. And, you know, you're, you're going to sit here and you're going to think, okay, but... You know, you want to shut down corner to shut down every single snap. Look, even Jalen Ramsey sometimes misses and gets beat. Um, you know, Diggs is a quality wide receiver. You're going to have some of those players uh, win reps. And and Verrett, I would say he didn't have, you know, he had an okay game. He had a couple plays where he had, you know, some some good snaps and bad snaps. But if if the rest of the secondary played like Verrett, you may have seen some more positive plays. But you go down the line from Verrett and it only gets a little worse. Because, well, except for one player, which we'll talk about here in a minute. But you get new players that are not really getting the memo on how to play NFL football in these positions. And chiefly, Tavares Moore. Third week in a row, we're talking about my man Moore. I have been very excited to see him in extended snaps. And so far, he's putting together a resume that says, I don't always know that I'm supposed to be in the place I'm supposed to be. And that's a bad thing to put on your resume early in your career when you're getting your first set of significant snaps. Yeah, and it's tough, you know, in, in the roles that he's playing a lot of times, um, you know, when he isn't in the right spot and he isn't executing his assignment correctly, um, you're talking about big plays that you're giving up. And, and it was really um, something that was an issue throughout the game. I mean, very early on, uh, I think it was like the third play of the game um, where Allen hits Beasley up the seam. Um, Tarverius Moore should have been carrying that seam route and doesn't and leaves it wide open. And so, um, you know, he had a number of plays like that. And then of course there was, you know, the touchdown at, at the, near the end of the game there where he ends up being the player that busts the coverage and leaves a man wide open down the sideline for an easy score. And so it, it's just, it's tough when you're, um, you know, you, you feel for the guy because obviously he's a young player, like, and he's, this is really the first time in his career that he's getting significant action. Um, but these are the type of things that like you need to be on top of, right? If you can't be there mentally and execute that part of the game, like it's over. Like you, you just don't have a shot in this league. Yeah. You, you want to hopefully see the him be just a, a step slow in getting to the right spot, but at least him moving towards the right spot. You don't want him to see, you don't want to see him in the completely wrong spot, which is what is happening way too often with Tavares Moore. 
Now, one of the you said the the bus for a touchdown, but I have to ask you which one. There were a couple, David. We have to we have to be a bit more specific here. We we pride ourselves on precision here at the Better Rivals podcast. Uh, but it sounds like you're talking about the the touchdown where you've got the the wheel route to uh, Isaiah. I think Isaiah McKinney, and and that's where he gets oh, picked. No, I wasn't even talking about that. But we, we can oh, get to that one. Well, yeah. no. So there's that one, which is pretty simple, right? He just kind of steps forward towards the line of scrimmage, gets picked, should realize he's got a bubble over the corner, and you know even if you give up that underneath reception, it's better to do that than get stuck underneath and let the guy run for that touchdown down the sideline, which is exactly what he did. But but there's that that play that Sherman's talked about a little bit post game. And it's a play that it it basically was a play that Sherman checked based on the alignment and the formation for the 49ers. And this is going to be a touchdown to to Gabriel Davis. Uh and and Sherman sends out a check. You can see him trying to gesticulate to people. He talks to Johnson, he talks to Moore and the the secondary just is not on the right page. Sherman said that he checked to Palms. So David, what is Palms and and what does that tell you about who messed up on that play? So Palms is like a variant of it's kind of like in the quarters family-ish, right? So uh it's called two read sometimes, but basically what you have so if you think of um just to this side of the field, right? On this particular play, if you've got two receivers on that side of the field, you've got a corner uh, aligned over the outside most or the number one receiver. And then you've got a safety in this case, more aligned over the slot receiver, the number two receiver. Um, and so the way palms works is that both of those players, both those defenders are going to read the number two receiver. Um, and so depending on what he does, kind of got to dictate the assignments of both of those guys. If that guy runs vertically, well, then the safety is going to pick him up and he's going to basically play it like a typical quarters look. Um, however, if that guy breaks outside quickly, which is what happens here, the corner is going to fall off the number one receiver and look to try to jump that out route. And the safety is the one that's then responsible to get over the top and uh, pick up that number one receiver who pretty much anytime you get an outbreaking route like that from the slot, um, it, it's a, a pretty solid bet. You're going to get a vertical route from the outside receiver, the number one receiver. So, um, it's Moore's job in that case to read that outbreak from the number two guy, and then know that he needs to turn and haul ass over to the sideline, essentially to get on top of that number one guy. Um, he really like, yeah, cause he doesn't get the check. He's not even playing it like, like he's dropping to the middle of the field. Like he thinks it's cover three. Yeah. He's playing single. So high. he's completely not on the same page on this one. Yeah, and, and sometimes the this coverage is also called two two trap because when you have that outbreaking route from number two, it looks like the the corner it, it might look to the quarterback like the corner is going to carry that outside wide receiver up the field, so he's going to have an easy throw out to the sideline, but then the cornerback kind of stays home and is able to pick that outbreaking route, and so it, it's just one of those things where it, I always get annoyed with communication issues in an empty stadium <laughs> because I feel like this is the time when you should be able to hear everything and you hear, you see him say it. You see, I mean, so this actually starts with, uh, with Warner and you can see after the snap, uh, or excuse me, after the play is over, Sherman is like going and telling, I mean, and he puts, it's basically fist on his, fist helmet, on his right? helmet. Yeah. Two fists uh, on Jimmy his Ward helmet. does it too. Yeah. So you see though, um, like it, it's like a motion or a shift or like very early on the play. Warner's the one that communicates this. So Warner, you see, is the very first guy that goes and he gets his, his fists up on his helmet. And then you kind of see like a few other guys, um, you know, basically communicate it back to let them know that they got the check and you see it go all the way around. But it, basically the two guys that don't get it are Moore and Dante Johnson, who are the ones that just like look 
lost and, and clearly in a defense that not everybody else is playing. Who knew? Yeah. And just so you guys know, both David and I did do the motion, even though this is effectively radio, just for your benefit yes. in your head. So you can imagine us tapping our, our proverbial helmets with both of our fists. <laughs> um, but it just, you've got poor communication issues. And and I think that a lot of the, the a lot, some of the hubbub that I was seeing on Twitter and whatnot was like, you know, oh, Salah, like, I can't believe he's going to be a head coaching candidate. This is such a crap game. I can't, you know, like, like blah, blah, blah. It's like, th- this is not... Salah can only do so much on the field, right? When you've got checks installed in a week and you've got your players that are identifying these checks and two players don't get it. Like that's, that's not on Salah. That's on, that's on Moore. That's on Johnson. And yes, I think you also have to understand that Dante Johnson's not a nickel. He is effectively the fourth nickel corner on this team. Um, you know, I do think you can probably pin a bit more on Moore because he's a third round pick. He's being looked at as one of the safeties of the future, potentially, and so I think there's a bit more responsibility that falls on his shoulders, but I don't know that the, that the, that Sala is necessarily entirely to blame for Diggs having, you know, very, very good route running skills for checks, not being communicated for, um, you know, we'll talk about Sherman here in a second, but it just, it's, it's a lot of things together that even not, not even, you know, Sala t- taking Sala into account are going to make that defense look bad. Yeah. And, and like, to be clear with the, the palms check and everything like that, um, it's not like this was a them trying to get cute, right? And and trying to get um inter- like bait him into an interception or or something like that. Like and and they're running something that hasn't been practiced before, or like that they haven't run. They ran it several other times in this game that you can see examples of. It's something that they run. Um, it's like just a normal part of their coverage package at this point. So it's not. Uh, this wasn't like a new thing that they installed this week. And this was the first time that they were going to this check in the game and then they didn't miss it. Right. And so you can be like, oh, okay. So I was trying to get cute and he, like, they should have just stuck with what they know best. Like this is part of what they do. So like those type of things, like aren't something, um, that I think, yeah, that you can really pin on the, the defensive coordinator. So we're talking about, you know, basically Verrett or players not being able to hold up against some good route runners. You're talking about players not being in the right spot or not getting checks like Tarveris Moore. And then you get players that just look old. And that's where we get to Richard Sherman because he looks, we, we talked about it last week a bit, but he, he has not reclaimed any of the, uh, the athleticism that we thought he, la- he lost since his injury. And he's still playing way off receivers. He's biting on double moves. It cost him. On it cost the Niners really where they had an interception from Josh Allen. We were going to get our over or in, on interceptions for the game, or at least turnovers. <laughs> we're trending that way, and and all of a sudden you've got Sherman who's biting on double moves. Costs Fred Warner his interception. He is not looking like someone who can keep pace with NFL caliber athletes at this point in his career. Yeah, it's. I mean, it sucks to say it, but um, you know, this it, it comes for everyone, right? Like the the cliff comes for everyone at some point, and it looks like he is just plummeting off the edge of that cliff right now. Like, um, it's bad. I I mean, you even look at something just like, um, that, that I think is like pretty simple and just like a lot more obvious to see, right? Which is like the the crossing route that he's trying to track across the field right before halftime there that sets up the field goal. Um, just like struggling to to move like he can't move right now and whether like whatever the the reason may be whether it, it's it's some you know continuous like nagging injury that he's dealing with and trying to play through right now or whether this is just like what he is athletically at this point after all of these injuries that he suffered um like re- regardless right now he is not 
a useful player to this defense. Like he is 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 problematic back there. So David's talking about the crosser late in the first half that I think gets the the Bills into a field goal range where Gabriel Davis, of all players, is running across the field and just basically runs right away from Sherman. Based on that one rep, David, what do you think Gabriel Davis's combine 40 time was? <laughs> well, Sherman's running like a 5-5 five, five there. So I'm going to say that maybe Gabe Davis gets to like a like a 4-7. His combine time was a 4-5-4. Four, four. It wasn't as bad as a 4-7, but he's not, exactly a, he's not exactly a burner. My point yeah. is that he's, you know, he's, I think he's like 6'1", 210, runs a 454. Respectable numbers, right? Sure. But that's, but that's not like, well, he's not guarding Mark. He's good one on a crossing route. Yeah. He's, he's not, kills not out there. Correct. Right. He's not trying to catch Stefan Diggs or, or someone super fast like that. He's, he's, and then, and funnily enough, I think Sherman was a 454, uh, 4'5", 4'5", 4'5", guy when he was in the combine as well. So it, it just kind of goes to show that they started from roughly the same base. And that one snap just shows the disparity in where they're at currently in their physical ability. And, and I think that there's, there's a little piece of me that says that all those funky alignments that we're seeing Sherman in is, is in a little bit to kind of hide him from having to man up against receivers or have to be in overly stressful situations where he's going to be stressed athletically. Because we got another one of these funky alignments from Sherman in this game as well. Last game, he blitzed from the slot. He played safety. And in this game against the Bills, he lined up in the A-gap like he was going to blitz and then dropped out and, and was basically the lurker um, or the rat in, in cover one. Uh, and and, it, and that's going to be a man coverage call. And so if I know that I'm going to go man coverage across the board and I'm going to be in cover one, like, and I'm looking at Richard Sherman and I'm like, do I want you covering Diggs? Do I want you cover, covering Gabe Davis? Do I want you covering Cole Beasley? No, I'm just going to have you be the whole player. I'm going to have you be that that safety, you know? And so I think, yeah, you can kind of wrap it in the trappings of we're getting creative with Sherman, but there's a little piece of me that thinks that it is to hide his athletic deficiencies at this point in his career. It 100% is. And, and this isn't the only example of them, like, trying to do things to to hide him right now. Like, this is the thing. Like, they know it. Like, I... It, at this point, I don't know how you can justify if uh, if Mosley was healthy, right? That like I don't think you could play Sherman right now full time over Mosley. I, I, you're just doing your defense a disservice right now. So, but there there's so many other examples of them trying to um, help him out and give him inside help. Like actually, so mentioned, um, you know, when we're talking about Tarverius Moore, um, that very early in the game, that seam route to Beasley that he busts on. Um, one of the reasons that like that's actually kind of like a somewhat unusual coverage for the 49ers to run. They don't usually in their base cover three have the curl flat players, which is what Moore was on that play, like carry those seam routes um, up there. And so usually what you're getting if you gap that seam right is you're either getting the free safety that, that's going to be involved on that or the cornerback to that side is also going to be involved in it. Like usually if you're getting like two verticals, right, the corner needs to kind of split it and be able to play both. Well, what they're doing by having more carry the seam, that's actually on the opposite side of Sherman. They're doing it so that they can cheat Ward, the, the single high free safety over to Sherman's side. So Sherman doesn't have as much ground to cover because he can't cover the two verticals over on his side. And so that way Ward can basically take one off his hands and, and, um, Sherman can just kind of stay floating over the top, which is like only the only thing he's trying to do right now. And so like, that's an example. And there's plenty of other ones where they're, he's getting like this inside help and they're, they're literally adjusting the way they normally play coverages 
to provide him with additional help on them. So, uh, yeah, it, it's just like it's something that I think is very clear at this point, something that the 49ers clearly know with what they're doing from a coverage standpoint. And like, yeah, it, they, they just don't have any other options right now. There's nobody else to go to. And, and the way that he looks right now, I don't know that because that, everyone talks about moving him to safety as though that's a solution. You've seen it happen with some players. You've seen it happen with Charles Woodson. You've seen it happen with a couple of players and, and Rod Woodson, too. Uh, but I don't know that, that based on the way that he looks now, that even that's a solution because safety doesn't mean that you can cease being an athlete. Like you still have to cover <laughs> ground. You still yep. have to, you know, you, you have to recognize yes, but then you have to have the physical ability to act on what you recognize. And, and right now I don't know that Sherman's ability would like imagine him in the middle of the field in a cover three as a single high and having to get from like one hash to the other number. Like he's not making that. It, just a minute, he's like the anti Tarvarius Moore right now. Tarvarius Moore, <laughs> right, is all athlete and no, uh, like no mental processing right now, and he's he continues to bust assignments. Like Sherman would be the guy. He's like getting. He knows what his assignment's supposed to be, but he just can't keep up with anyone, and and he like can't be involved. And especially like, yeah, you can't like hide safeties athletically. Like there there are too many good, uh, you know, tight ends, and and like teams are too good at putting their better receivers inside in the slot. Like you can get guys matched up on safeties like it's not a difficult thing to do so um yeah i mean we've seen just in this game right how bad tarvarius moore was and what that led to for the bills offense and all the productive plays they got out of that right so like sherman knowing that he should have been running with a guy and just not being able to do it like still doesn't help you yeah and, and it really does suck because Sherman is obviously, you know, he's he's a good guy and and you you now yep. that he's, you know, a 49er, he's he's our asshole, right? Like so, <laughs> but, but it it just does suck to see them fall off of that proverbial cliff. Now there were two bright spots in the game in coverage. Fred Warner is always going to be in this spot, but he almost had two interceptions. One was negated based on Sherman's penalty. The other though was just like, man, if he has Brandon Ayuk length arms, that's a pick. Yep. That is a He's pick. He's an inch taller. Yeah. Like, uh, it was so close. Just, like, barely over his fingertips. Um, yeah. Yeah, you, al- you almost had your, your Josh Allen evidence right there. You were gonna- I was, And that was early in the game, <laughs> too, man. I was feeling it. I was like, here we go. Let's do this. Because on the very first play of the game, right, I mean, he's got the free play, but he, like, yeah. sails it over Beasley's. I was like, yes, let's go. This is the Josh Allen I need right now, and he did not stay around. Yeah, it was going to be, you know, uh, JackNicholson.gif. Just, yes. <laughs> Just this, You yeah. were ready. I yeah. know you were ready. And then was- da- Dante Johnson actually had a decent game. I mean, yeah. look. He is not a slot corner. And I call him the barnacle of the Niners because I am convinced that if he were to remove his shirt, he would have a notch for every time he's been uh, cut and re-signed like Killmonger all over his body. I'm convinced that this is what would happen if Dante Johnson took his shirt off. But he actually had a decent game in coverage. The, the question I think I might have if I see this game and I say, okay, David Oscar, you're telling me Dante Johnson had a good game in coverage. Cole Beasley Frodo Beasley over here had like a million yards reconcile the two. Uh, so just because a player's in the slot doesn't mean your slot corner is going to cover him, um, is, is really what it comes down to. And and so like, yes, there are man situations where, um, he ends up being there, but even in man situations, right? Like a lot of times you're talking about multiple slot receivers. And so maybe Dante Johnson's on the other side and Jimmy Ward's coming down and he's the one that handles Beasley um, or, or something like that. But a lot of it is just more so in zone coverage. Um, even if if you have Dante Johnson aligned directly over 
Cole Beasley, um, that doesn't mean anything that he's going to like continue to guard him throughout the play, right? It's going to depend on the route that he runs and the specific coverage that the 49ers are in. So a lot of times, right, that what, what Dante Johnson's role is in um, most of the zone coverages that the 49ers are playing is as the curl flat defender. So what he's going to be responsible for is like getting out more to the wide area of the field, right? So he's going to kind of like his drop is usually going to take him to the numbers and then he's going to be working any like outbreaking routes and stuff like that. And so if he's aligned over Beasley and Beasley takes off inside, well, that's going to go to a different zone defender, right? Or if he takes off vertical and it's not a situation where Dante Johnson has any vertical responsibility, he's going to let that go and let somebody like a, a Tarvarius Moore pick him up, right? Or not pick him up. Um, and, and so like, it's a lot of those situations, right? Where it's just because the 49ers are, are going to be in zone a good amount of the time. Um, those matchups are going to be dictated by the route combinations is more so than like the alignment of, the, um, the, the specific receivers. And, and like, um, so I think Beasley only ended up with actually like three targets against Johnson. He didn't do much on those. Yeah, and ultimately it's hard to stay competitive in a game when your offense is treading water and your defense is, is basically a leaky bucket because you've got all these things happening in the secondary. You've got Josh Allen who's taking the advantage of those things in the secondary. And then Nick Mullins and the 49ers offense just can't keep pace. And Nick Mullins tried. He had his good job, good effort pants on. He had some good looking <laughs> plays, but things got rather yeah. frenetic for him at times. And it just resulted in some ultimately bad plays when they really counted. Let's start with the good for Nick Mullins. He had three big time throws. David, for those that are unfamiliar with the PFF parlance of big time throw, what is a big time throw? Uh, so those are basically our highest graded throws, right? So it, it's typically going to be stuff that's further down the field. Um, you know, usually, especially like the 20 plus stuff or, or maybe like a high difficulty intermediate throw, but you're looking for, again, throws that are down the field thrown with usually good timing, good accuracy. They're, they're the best throws, you know, that you would expect. And they're, they're throws that it's not only just throwing a deep shot, right? It, it's the quarterback actually doing the work to beat the coverage and not just throwing up a jump ball so that his receiver can come down with it, right? So it, it's quarterbacks actually throwing the ball with good accuracy and timing down the field to beat those coverages. Yeah, they are the most difficult throws. They're throws that don't happen very often. Uh, and they're throws that are generally difficult to complete. They require some skill. Uh, and and Mullins had three of them in this game. He is capable of good quarterback play. The intermediate <laughs> shot to to Dwelly on that boot action play on the move. He was like, Josh Allen, I see you're on the move throw. I'm going to do one too. <laughs> You've got your deep shot to Ayuk that, you know, Ayuk had to, he had to adjust to the ball, but he had to adjust to the ball because he was, the, because Mullins was throwing it away from coverage. He was throwing it away. And from it was the also safe. like 40 something yards in the air. Yeah. So it was like, you know. Yeah, it was it was, it, it was that was throw. thrown in stride like we're talking like holy shit throw. Yeah. Uh, and then you've got the touchdown at the end of the game to read again. He's like Josh Allen. You can throw on the run. I can do that, too. Yep. Right. Uh, that was also a very, very good throw. Three big time throws in this game. But then you've got a false start on a quarterback sneak like Jesus. This guy should never be allowed to be to, to run a quarterback sneak forever in his life. He's already fucked two up. And, you, and really, like, you get one that you fuck up, and then it's like, never again should you run a quarterback sneak. But this is <laughs> twice that he's messed up a quarterback sneak this season, and his ball location was spotty. He kept throwing the ball in front of Brandon Ayuk. If he hits a couple of those on target, Ayuk is running, maybe still, and, in, in, and through the end zone. 
Um, the interception in the end zone, ball location was kind of an issue. The almost touchdown to Kendrick Bourne, if he throws that outside towards the sideline, towards the pylon, um, that's probably a touchdown and not an almost touchdown. Um, and so it's just that up and down. Like th This is what separates good quarterbacks from not great quarterbacks. It's the ability to consistently make plays, not just have the high highs and then follow them up some low lows. Yeah. And, and I mean, unfortunately too, like a lot of this stuff came when the game was like largely out of hand, right? Like, um, when, when they're already down by a good amount and you're starting to get, you know, different coverages and, and things like that, that are less concerned about stopping you from picking up yardage and picking up first downs and more about just playing over the top and not trying to give up anything deep and, you know, all, all that sort of thing. And so like, yeah, you had a few, um, you know, nice throws downfield, but, um, I mean, I think like, the game plan tells you everything that you need to know about where they feel about Mullins, right? Like, like the bills are, are coming out and throwing, I mean, Jesus, they threw on what felt like 70 plus percent of their, their offensive plays. Right. Whereas the 49ers in that first quarter, I mean, they ran the ball, what 75% of the time or something like that. Like, I mean, they had that, that stretch where there was like five straight fucking runs down at the goal line. Like that whole first quarter was just super run heavy. And, and that's, again, that's your scripted stuff. That's like what you're going out and game plan and saying, this is how we want to, uh, you know, come out and play this defense. And it's just, uh, I'm, we're going to let this guy hand the ball off. And it's not until you get to the second half and you're down and, and you no longer have that option, right. That, that he's actually, dropping back a good amount and so i think yeah like this was actually like probably all things considered on the better end of the mullen scale but it's still just like this is kind of what you're getting from him yeah and, and the bill's defensive plan was also one that didn't really match up with the niners all that well because the the bills play a lot of cover one a lot of cover three it means they're comfortable manning up across the board and that's exactly what they did against the niners they played almost 70 percent of their defensive snaps in cover one or cover three they only blitzed eight times and they threw in some simulated pressures in there where they're rushing four, but they came from, you know, kind of linebackers and, and some different people. So they were able to get pressure on 41% of snaps with only having to blitz eight times. And they're able to man up and play the receivers tight. There just wasn't a lot of space. When things start to open up in terms of score spread, that's when you see them start to go to more too high stuff. Now the field opens up. Now Mullins can make some of his garbage time money that he is well known for at this point. Because if I hear one more time that he is like top three in total yards in his first 13 or 14 starts, I might, I don't know, like chuck something through a television. I don't know. It's, it's not going to, I like my TV. So, and, and I and like, and those YouTube yeah, videos I think are stupid. A lot of them are canned. It's like you get a shitty TV and you replay the, the game and then you like do the TV because you like clicks. I mean, look. I'm already don't like clicks that much. I'm already no. hating myself for using that example. But my point is, I don't like when we put when people pull that out. I'm like, <laughs> yards need context. You, you need context for yards. You can't just yeah. throw raw yardage totals at me. Do you not know that I have a podcast basically devoted to this topic? Uh, <laughs> last thing, really, really quickly before we get to our sponsors, is that Micah Hyde was kind of everywhere. Like that dude, maybe was like the best linebacker on the field, and he played safety. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I wasn't paying a whole lot of attention to Micah Hyde. So that one's all you. Yeah, <laughs> maybe maybe that'll be the, the first start of the quick hits. But before we get to our quick hits and uh, uh, just a trip down memory lane with Alex Smith, let's get to a couple of our sponsors because the Better Rivals podcast is brought to you by Indeed. 2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over. Thank baby Jeebus. It is almost over both the football season and the year. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical 
and Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. I'm really hoping the Niners don't have to have a job posting for uh, like a new pro personnel guy, Adam Peters, leaving with Robert Sala to Detroit. That would suck. I don't like that very much. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. And much like Parag Marate, you only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time. And there are no long-term contracts. None (laughs) whatsoever. It's the Marate rule. Indeed listened. Instant match. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is also brought to you by Bet Online. Football is back in full swing for the 49ers, hopefully not for long. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. David, do you think they'll have a bet on whether or not Alex Smith uh, keeps his leg uh, for the rest of the year, whether it falls off, whether the blood will be too much on one of his mm. legs? That... No, I don't want to think about any of this. No. <laughs> you can get no, in bad. on Bet Online season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, David, let's get to the quick hits. Talk to me about those runs in the red zone that I know that you Dude, love so much. Just, just killing me. So it was like, okay, the 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 overall like run heavy game plan totally expected, right? This was something we mentioned. Uh, was it on the? I forget if it was on the podcast or if it was on like the the Patreon pregame chat. But like the the Bills had probably the worst run defense in the NFL coming into this game, right? So um, absolutely expected the 49ers to come out and and run the ball heavily early on as as long as they could, as long as the game script allowed, and and so that's that's fine. Then suddenly you get down into on your first drive, you get down inside the 10 and you run the ball five straight times from inside the three yard line. Like, and you could even say it, like it was six straight times because it was a run from first and 10 uh, or on the 10 yard line that actually got him down to the two initially. So six straight runs in there. Um, and it's just like, OK, come on. Like at some point you can't just like keep handing the ball off on inside zone fucking and getting stuffed here. You say that. Like you, you got to try doing something. Else. You say that. And then Shanahan says, hold my beer. Really? It was just, it was just a, <laughs> yeah, a, a yeah. five snap setup for that play action pass. You got to make sure they're really committed to. Yeah. Did he run. build in the failed fourth down conversion and then fumble on the other one? That was definitely, that was part of the first 15 plays. Just I like think. you draw it up, David, just yeah. like you draw it up. Yeah, totally. Mike Sando said on the athletic podcast with Robert Mays that he thinks it's a 50, 50 shot that the 49ers have a new starting quarterback in week one of 2021. But Mike Sando, known for having lots of contacts in NFL front offices, he ran that by 
one of his front office people, and that front office person said that it should be lower, indicating that the league, or at least someone in a league office position, is a little less bullish on the 49ers having a new starter in 2021. They talked a lot about Matt Stafford, which we don't have time to talk about today, but I think uh, we, we're going to have some time in the few, in the upcoming weeks to talk about we non-game stuff. So we'll talk maybe a bit about Matt Stafford later. Shanahan now says, there are a lot of different ways to be elite at the quarterback spot. And when you find the elite player, you quote, adjust to him. Someone asked him whether or not his, uh, his evaluation has changed of quarterbacks now that, you know, the Niners need one. And he passed on all the good <laughs> ones uh, because he wanted, you know, stoic statuesque passers who have rocket arms and can take beatings and look like I'm glad he could sleep at night when they traded up to make sure you get CJ Beathard you know you wouldn't want to leave that one hanging there it would just be a real rough night's sleep a lot like having a newborn I imagine yeah it's 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 pretty wild but you know Chris Brown the godfather of smart football um he actually had a comment about that and he said that it's a natural evolution quote Offensive coordinators tend to want guys that will execute their pretty diagrams the way they were written on the page. Head coaches want guys who win. I feel like it's I mean, it's such a great way of encapsulating it. It's like, yeah, when you're an offensive coordinator, it's like, do this. Do what I want you to do. Now it's like, I don't care. Just win the damn game. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Um... It, it's good. I mean, it's good to see that at least he's coming around now because, again, they're, they're going to likely be in the quarterback market here very soon, even if they can't make that change this offseason. Like, it it definitely feels like it's something uh, that, that's on the horizon here. So it, it's nice to hear him, um, you know, adjusting that mindset a bit. Yeah, I think, I think, well, we'll get to that later. We have lots of time. There's sure. still time. Whole offseason. Poor Tevin Coleman. He was sacrificed to the football gods last week. Two snaps. <laughs> Both unmitigated disasters literally the only thing worse than the only thing worse than tevin coleman in this game was mullen's yard per attempt when blitzed which was like 3.3 yards nothing like looking at a quick box score and seeing like you know what was it negative 11 yards or something like that with a, a long of negative one or negative two like just wow what the fuck happened yeah it was uh it was not great but yeah when, when you've got wide receivers trying to crack block defensive ends uh and their their heart's not in it sometimes that ends up with Brent, Tevin coleman look brandon Ayuk, um our guy love that guy um blocking dn's not in his wheelhouse right now no not right now but speaking of brandon Ayuk. That man needs to set up a foundation in Levi Wallace's name because what he did to him was not okay. Brandon Ayuk had uh, several positive plays against Levi Wallace, and we're going to see him on a milk carton very soon. <laughs> yeah, I mean, had had the you know drew the pass interference penalty early. The deep shot that we mentioned was against him. He had another play uh, where he just completely puts Wallace like in a plunder. He's spinning all around, completely loses track of him. It's really quite hilarious. Um, yeah, rough, rough game for Levi Wallace. Lastly, in the quick hits, Charlie Warner, he played snaps and he wasn't completely terrible. Um, excuse me. Could you please read that note exactly as it was written, uh, which is completely fucking terrible um, because that's what he was whenever we have mentioned him uh, in this space previously was like, oh, Charlie Warner played two snaps and he got fucking ragdolled on both of them. All right. 
<laughs> cool. Oh, um, but look, my guy got out there. He got some garbage time snaps. Uh, he caught two targets, got first downs on both of them. I think he broke a tackle on the first one. Like, look at you. Look at you go. Onward and upward. Growing before our eyes. Onward and upward. Maybe his arms will hit a growth spurt here sometime soon. <laughs> but now we are on to the Washington football team. It's a game with all of the feels. You've got Alex Smith returning to, uh, I guess, faux Santa Clara. You've got, uh, is it, wait, is this game in Washington or is it uh, in Arizona? Uh, it's in Arizona. Yeah, the, the Niners are the, the home team. The quote-unquote quote unquote. home team, uh, which, like, at least they're playing in grass, is all I'm saying, because fuck turf. But yeah, 2020, fuck turf. I think that's 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 the <laughs> motto of the year. But Alex Smith, the, the, he's just been, he's back to playing like the the Alex Smith brand of football that we know and love because he is, he's still, you know, he is a smart football player. He's putting the ball where it needs to go as long as where it needs to go is seven yards or closer to the line of scrimmage. And he's not putting the ball in harm's way. And honestly, with a team like Washington and the defense they have, that's enough to win games. Yeah, I mean, it is it is kind of funny, though, uh, like looking at this. So, I mean, we've mentioned this at various points during the season about how both Nick Mullins and Jimmy Garoppolo are are basically among the, the lowest in the league in terms of how far downfield they're targeting receivers. Right. It's basically been them and Drew Brees all season long, right at the bottom of that list. And then Alex Smith comes back and he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. You guys are taking my mantle here. I don't like it. Let me undercut you by at least a half yard. Right. <laughs> the only only guy that's under six yards right now, he's at like 5.6 yards is his average target downfield. Um, so it's just like, yeah, I mean, that's that's Alex Smith. Yeah, for, that's, I don't that's, know. There's not, a, there's not another stat that can better encapsulate the player that he is. He's got to stay on brand. He has to stay on brand. And I'm glad that he's focused, that he's able to focus on staying on brand and not, you know, walking. Because I'm still going to cringe every time that he gets hit. Now, mm -hmm. to be fair, if he gets hit. Because it, the pressure is going to be a little dicey from the 49ers when it comes to what they're able to generate if the game against Josh Allen is any indication. Alex Smith may have some time in the pocket to make some throws. Now, the Washington football team is hot right now. H-A-W-T. That's right. You heard it correctly. In the last four weeks, Washington's offense is 10th in EPA per play fueled by the second best running game of the NFL across that span the last four weeks. That is, they have positive EPA on runs. That's, that's not something that you see often. And, and it's yeah. not because of quarterback scrambles. Because oftentimes when you see positive rush EPA, like Kyler Murray and the Cardinals early in the year, it's because the quarterback is getting a lot of those running yards. And those are considered the positive EPA runs that kind of offset the negative running back EPA runs. But this is actually a running game that is doing good things and it's allowing i mean it, this is basically like 49ers from 2019 light they've got a, a good defensive line they're relying on their running game they've got a quarterback who's doing just enough to keep them in games and not screw things up and now it's going to be like the niners facing the the shittier version of the 2019 them and it's gonna be like wait you wait you uh and and we're gonna see who <laughs> races to the bottom first this game's going to be over in like two and a half hours. It's going to be fast. Yeah. It's just going to be like nothing but running the ball and shitty fucking quarterback play and whatever. Um, yeah. I mean, I think like, look, the, the part that's going to be especially, like, it's so weird because I remember when we, you know, we're at the beginning of what was the super tough stretch of the 49ers schedule, um, you know, that over the 
like last couple months essentially um we were looking forward to like hey that washington game down there that one that's the next one that we can really margov is like yep that's a win um and now it just it just really doesn't feel like that's that's true at all and i think the the defensive matchup um fortnite's offense versus washington defense is is going to be difficult because yeah i mean basically i mean this has been largely true over the course of the the entire season but especially these last three weeks i mean uh washington's defense is playing as well as anyone you know they're they're right up there with pittsburgh is, is in terms of like the best defense in football during the stretch um and and they're doing it from a coverage standpoint they're doing it from a pass rush especially i think their front is really kind of the the leading charge there um their run defense is still solid you know i think they're top uh eight in in that so um yeah i I mean it's like it's going to be very difficult because the 49ers run game right which we know that they want to rely on um has has really not been very good again like the the explosive plays just largely have not been there and even though they're they're still putting the volume out which is understandable considering who they have at quarterback um the production from the run game just simply hasn't been there and so uh it it is worrisome to it's like it's difficult to find a place that they can potentially attack that defense everything looks like it kind of ends in disaster right now I mean, you've got Chase Young, Montez Sweat, Jonathan Allen, three very good pass rushers. Chase Young is everything that you thought about Nick Bosa when he was coming out. Just like multiply it by a factor of like 0.2 uh, by 20% because that's Chase Young is just bonkers and ridiculous. Freaky. And, and yeah. what's what's wild is that Jonathan Allen is actually playing as a pass rusher just a little better right now than Chase Young, which is ridiculous to think about. And Montez Sweat is just, you know, screaming over uh, around the edge like... He typically does because he's very fast. Um, it's almost like you've got Bosa and uh, a version of D Ford and Montez Sweat that actually plays. Uh, and then a three technique in, in Jonathan Allen like DeForest Buckner that you had for the Niners in 2019. This is a defensive line that can eat up the 49ers if they end up getting behind, which is why, you know, it's basically going to be two teams that are going to try and run the ball, play defense. They both have top 10 defenses and and it's going to be, you know, who can kind of get out to a lead first and then hopefully let their pass rushers get after that quarterback because that's whoever can, in some, whether it's turnover or a couple of drives or whatever, they're going to have the advantage. But if not, it's going to be a lot of trying to run the ball down each other's throat to try to establish that advantage. And, and right now, I don't know that that's the 49ers because the, the Washington football team has shown in the last four weeks that they can run the ball. The Niners have not. In the last four weeks, the Niners are dead last in EPA per play by a fairly decent margin. The distance from the 49ers in last place to the Texans, who are 31st in in EPA value per run, is the same distance as between the Texans at 31 and the Broncos at 25. So it's a pretty wide gulf from 31 to 32. And I don't know if that's going to get fixed against a good Washington defense and a good Washington defensive line. Yeah, I'm going to say uh I'm going to say that's a no. That's a no for me. Um yeah, I mean I think it it's going to like look everything is going to come back on Shanahan. And I think it's going to be really like this offense isn't in a spot where they can just line up and and kind of like out execute this Washington defense, right? Like they they're just not going to like better athlete them in most spots and and just kind of like be able to either run the ball down their throat there or you know like i think maybe you could look at it having some opportunities um with 
with rece- your your receivers on the outside, Brandon Ayuk and, and Debo Samuel, right? Like potentially, but you have to wonder how this offensive line that struggled all year can pass protect. And so I think it's going to be down to Shanahan doing what he has done, you know, ha- had to do all season long, which is how many opportunities can he just create through scheme? That's that's easy, easy yardage, right? Like that's really what uh, the 49ers offense is going to need in this game. And And I think, yeah, it all comes down to whether they can get out to that early lead because then like, you know, even though they, they might not be, uh, you know, super successful with the run game. Um, if you're playing with that lead and you can do just enough there, you can eat clock and it all plays into that underdog game plan that we've talked so much about, right? So I, I think they can still lean that direction if they get enough, um, you know, from their offense through the schemed up stuff in, in that first quarter, especially. Yeah, I think the Niners are going to have to go back to some of their quick game because when you look at I don't know that they're going to be able to run the ball and and I don't think they're going to come out with a run-heavy game plan like they did against Washington because Washington's weakness, or not Washington, sorry, but the Bills' weakness was the their run defense. It just, their run defense was bolstered by being able to have, you know, eight, nine guys in the box and man up your wide receivers and not be worried about any kind of passing threat until the game was relatively in hand. But with Washington, you've got two corners that are good in coverage, Ronald Darby and Kendall Fuller. But when you look at, you know, would I rather run into Jonathan Allen or would I rather try to pass against Kendall Fuller with Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel, then I think that, you know, you're going to lean pass. And so I'm, I'm really, I think you're absolutely right. I think Shanahan's going to have to try to pull some of those quick passes and those concepts to get the ball moving and extend the running game in the way that we saw maybe against the Rams to, to try to offset some of the rush and 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 try to get a, a couple scores and make the the Washington football team play from behind. Otherwise, uh, it's going to be a fast game, but it could be a long game for the Niners. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's uh, that's how it has to go. I mean, that's kind of you know, again, we've it feels like we're a kind of broken record, and every week we're talking about this, but that's what this offense is right now. And I think especially going up against uh, you know a strong defense like Washington has right now, like it's going to kind of fall to Shanahan to set these guys up. Well, that does it for this week's edition of the Better Rivals podcast. You can always follow me on Twitter at Better Rivals. Uh, I will make fun of David because he will never see the tweet because he is not on Twitter and instead he's on the Patreon. David, hit him with the Patreon. Hit that patreon.com slash Better Rivals. Go buy us a beer. Um, It would be much appreciated. Check out our videos. We're going to do some of those. I imagine we're going to have one this week. I don't know when we're going to do it, but it's going to be fine. Yeah. It'll be up there. Sleep training, my daughter, has basically thrown me into a complete fucking anarchy of schedule. Um, I, yeah, I just, I don't know what time it is. Uh, I just know that I basically have to float from thing to thing. uh, And I forget to do lots of things uh, all of the time. This morning, I was going to make my coffee. And I was super excited because I had a little bit of like espresso blend left from uh, Merit. I went and bought some from Merit, their local roaster from San Antonio. And I was like, yeah, got a little bit of espresso roast left. I'm going to make this in the mock pot. It's going to be great. And then I forgot to change the grind setting on my fucking grinder. And so I ground all the all the beans and it was the last beans I had left. And it was like, that's that's not going to work. This fucking sucks. So. I mean, I hear you, man. Uh, you know, having having a, a tiny human is like living the same day over and over again. Yeah, you know, and uh, it gets it gets broken up by our brief respites where we can watch the Niners get curb stomped by Josh yeah. Allen. <laughs> as long as I'm not incredibly tired and just decide to go to bed at halftime, which may or may not have happened um, <laughs> this week. 
Oh, so. man. All I'm saying is it's a week. It'll be good to see uh, Alex Smith. Uh, I'm glad he is playing football. I hope the Niners don't hit him anywhere below the waist, really, just for everyone's sake. It is terrifying. God, seeing that blood on his leg is just like... I can't was, do it, man. It's just... Ugh. I can't do it. Yeah. Horrible. Thanks again for tuning in. And as always, go Niners. Go Niners.